Amen. Amen. You may be seated. It's good to be with you here at the Atlanta Prayer Conference. In fact, there's been many prayer conferences going on. I don't think we called them that here for many years. And it's good to be with Pastors David and Robert Harris, good friends of ours. And we just appreciate them. And, and of course, my wife and son send their love. They're back in Broken Era, Oklahoma. And uh, Dad Hagen used to say, we call him Kenneth E. Hagen. We, we call him Dad Hagen's a term of endearment, not disrespect. He said, uh, he said, it's no wonder, he said, sometimes why the natives, Americans, and we're not talking disparagingly about any of them. I get kin folks, grannies, and everybody else that was Native Americans, so not talking. He says, no wonder they kind of lost the war. And uh, everybody wondered what he was talking about, because over in Oklahoma, you got cities called Broken Era. You got another city called Broken Bow, and then you got another city called No Water. If you ain't got no water, and your arrow's broke, and your bow's broke, it's important. It's important what you say and what you pray. And Reverend Jermaine Copeland, we encourage you, if you're listening, to go to her website. If you just do a search on Google, Jermaine Copeland Ministries, and you can get her book, Prayers That Avail Much. I've had that book for years. And uh, it's encouraged me and helped me to pray. We always pray in line with the Word of God. We don't pray outside the Word of God. I see Brother Robin Martin has, has showed up. We're going to have an altar call twice for him, I guarantee you. <laughs> right. Good pastor friend of mine. But uh, I, I tremendously was blessed by, by her ministry and her anointing last night and just a, a sense of encouragement and peace, uh, you know, that was on me when she got through ministering. In fact, I come away with the thought that my Lord, I'm going to make it. <laughs> I'm not going to go under. I'm going over. And as Pastor Harris has already said, uh, we thank God for the, the radio station and, and what they're doing because we know it takes effort and we know it takes much work to, to put things on like this because there's many technical things and I think our technical wizards back here and uh, hooking up all them buttons, whistles and bells and sometimes I just get out of the way because the fur starts flying when all that stuff starts hooking up. <laughs> And we just appreciate all the workers behind the scene that make all this happen. And, you know, and all the ushers, and I know Pastor Harris does the same, and all those in the sound department, and the, the working department, and the holy roller department, and whatever department you're in, and the chair setting department. And we're not trying to keep you in your chairs, the worship team. We just thank God for everybody that's involved to make this meeting go on because we know there's much effort that goes on behind the scenes sometimes in putting on meetings because we do you know, our own meetings as we travel uh, around the United States. And, and so there's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes. Now, in order to understand what I'm going to be talking about, you may need to understand where I come from. You know, I haven't always been a preacher. And so I started off, my career path was a little bit different. In fact, the career path I had was a career path where you didn't get vacations. And so I took what I call vacations because I was in prison. I spent over 10 years of my life behind prison bars. Lock the doors, boys. Don't let them out now. But I spent over 10 years of my life behind prison bars, and I'm not proud of that. I'm not proud of anything B.C. I'm not talking about the headache powder. I'm talking about before Christ, you know. Not proud of anything prior to that. I don't brag and gloat in glory about my old criminal lifestyle and, and everything there, but I was a drug addict, alcoholic, everything, cheat, lying, thief, low-down scoundrel. In fact, as granddaddy, granddaddy and grandmama used to say, I used to be lower down than a snake's belly in a wagon's rut. Now, that's good country talk for city folks. I mean, that, that's low. Uh, but God can reach down to the lowest valley, and He can pick you up, and He can turn you around. I met the Lord on my third escape from prison, driving down the road in Galveston, Texas, Paul met the Lord on the road to Damascus. I found out it does not matter which road you meet him on, he's going to change your life. Amen. Somebody asked me one time, said, Brother Randy, why did you escape three times? I said, well, I didn't get it right the first time. I said, I didn't get it right the second time. But I finally got away from the authorities. I called it taking vacation. They called it escaping. So if you want a, a vacation in your career path, don't be a career criminal. They don't give vacations. I found that out the hard way. But I wasn't raised that way. I was raised in old-time Pentecost. My daddy was a Pentecostal preacher. I come up to the Assemblies of God Church, and we thank God for our spiritual heritage. But I got away from God, and, and I woke up in the hog pen of life, to, so to speak, like the prodigal son, 
at 28 years old on my third escape from prison, had five felony charges at that time that I was facing, besides all the ones that I'd already was in prison for, and, and I'd pick these up on escape. And so my life was a hopeless mess, and I was facing life without the possibility of parole. But on that road in, in Galveston, the reason I was there in Galveston, Texas, I was on escape from the Alabama State Prison System. The reason I was in Galveston, I, I had met a gentleman. I don't think that's a proper word, gentleman. You know what I mean? Can I just tell the truth? I met a crook. That's, that's the way to tell it. I met a crook that could get me some illegal papers, slip me over to Mexico, and I could live happily ever after for about $8,000 for six months. And so when you get on escape from prison, the, the ABI, the FBI, the GBI, the ABI, all the eyes get after you. And so I was going to the uttermost part of the earth trying to get away from them, you know. I'd been on this escape 11 months and a few days, almost a year, when I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. At that time in my life, I didn't believe Jesus existed. I thought the Bible was a fairy tale book that somebody wrote trying to make me be good, even though I was raised in that environment. If you turn yourself away from God and open your life up to the devil, it will bring you out into an arena of the spiritual world that you may not know exists. And that's what happened to me. But on that third escape, I came to my senses, accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, turned my life over to him, and he said to me, he said, turn yourself back into the authorities, quit running, quit lying, quit cheating and stealing. He said, go back to the state of Alabama. And he said, when you get there, plead guilty to all five felony charges you're facing. He said, if you will do what I'm telling you to do, he said, I'll get your life out of the mess that you've got it into and you'll do what I called you to do. And I thought, my Lord, I'm going to take this great exchange. If he can take this mess <clears throat> that I have and turn my life into something good, I am going to follow him and I'm going to go with him. And so I turned myself into the authorities. I thought I was the biggest nut that ever hit Galveston County, Texas. And then they put me in a prisoner transport plane, flew me back to Alabama. And then I went to court, pled guilty to five felony charges in my book called Escape from Hell. And all my products are available at rgm.me. That's rgm.me on the web. They're instant download. Or you click a button and I'm sitting in your computer or sitting in your iPad or sitting in your Kindle or whatever it is you got. We got these highfalutin people back at the office that know how to transport me. And the Bible talks about being translated in the spirit. I'm translated over the wires and whatever else they got out there. So... If anybody's going to do it, we do it. So all that's available. My life story and all kinds of formats is there. And um, thank God that I'm standing here today. Pastor Harris, Pastor Robin has uh, checked me out very well, and I'm not on escape. That's right. They know that everything's fine. And that today, as I stand here on June 21st, just to make a long story short, June 21st, 1993, nine years after I was released from prison, I got ahead of myself. I was out, got out of prison August 27th, 1984, by a miracle of God, after being told I'd be released in the month of none. But in June 21st, 1993, nine years after being out of prison and being a productive citizen in society, I was granted a full pardon by the federal government of the United States of America. Amen. All my rights have been restored back to me as a citizen of the United States of America, as well as the right to own and possess a firearm. Now, for city folks, that's shotguns, rifles, and pistols. And I was in prison, don't fall out of your seat, for armed robbery. Didn't kill anybody, hurt myself. Didn't hurt anybody, hurt myself. Was stupid, didn't say what I'd done was right. But it's unheard of in the United States of America for that to occur. But I got the paperwork. Praise God. I said, I've got the paperwork. But that was in 1993. And my life has never been the same since that day. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. That's just a, a brief introduction. But if you go to my website at rgm.me, then you can find all of our products, material, all of our life stories about, uh, you know, leaping tall buildings with single bounds, outrunning speeding bullets and all kind of stuff like that. It's on there if you're interested in that. Of course, the only reason I tell my past is to help somebody else in their future. And so that's why that it would be there. So in, in kind of my assignment in this meeting, it's talking about praying you know, being led by the Spirit of God. So I'm talking about this morning and in the sessions that I'm in, and every session I'll be talking about how to be led by the Spirit of God in prayer. 
We need to pray the Word. The Word is the foundation of all of our prayer. And I thank God for Mrs. Jermaine Copeland, Reverend Jermaine Copeland, that has taught us that. You can't get outside the boundaries of God's Word and just pray any old wild thing, weird thing, and expect it to come to pass. You have to have the foundation of God's Word. But there are some things that you just don't know because the Word of God is not specifically clear in that particular area. And if you need to know something from God, the Holy Ghost that lives inside of us, the Spirit of God that lives inside of us communicates with our Father, communicates with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've been born again, He lives inside of you and He will lead you and guide you not only in the affairs of life, but He'll lead you and guide you in your prayer life also. And everything He leads you and guides you in, of course, will be in line with the written Word of God. So in Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10, I'll start reading there. Because this is all inclusive of our keynote verse that I'll I'll use for this particular series of lessons. But in in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, Paul said, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, which means strategies, tricks, and deceptions of the devil. Verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Notice this. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. In verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. The problem many times we have, unwittingly sometimes, unknowingly sometimes, and I've been right there just like anybody else, so I'm not accusing anybody of anything is many times we wrestle against people and people are not our problem. He said we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Many times we try to confront things in the natural. We try to confront people in the natural. We try to confront situations in the natural. Many things will never be changed unless you first pray it out in the realm of the spirit and then walk it out in the physical material world. So many times, and I have been right there where I tried to change things in the natural, change things, change people, change that, and then finally realize, well, it's not the person. There's a spirit behind this thing. It says here, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So human beings are not necessarily our problems. I'm not saying you couldn't have a problem with a human being, but I'll tell you the human being that you'll have more problems with than any other human being on this planet, and I want to introduce you to them today. All you do is go look in the mirror after the service is over, and that's the human being you're going to wrestle with more than any other human being on this planet. And you need to be pointing your finger at that human being more than we point the finger at other human beings and say, you better change, you better straighten up, and that's what I have to do with me. So I'm not talking about anybody else. I'm here to tell you, I found out that it's me, me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Isn't that right? And we've all discovered that. But we thank God the Holy Ghost is there to help us. But notice we, he said we wrestle not. He didn't say we didn't wrestle. Where's a wrestling match? There is opposition. That's what that means in the realm of the spirit that comes from the powers of darkness. And we must know this. Paul said, be strong in the Lord. We can't do this by ourselves. Put on the whole armor of God. I cannot do this by myself. And all of this, we're going to see that he's talking about here. We'll come down to verse 18. He talks about prayer. And that's what he's talking about. Verse 13 says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. I'm glad he didn't just tell us verse 12. He gave us verse 13. Told us how to overcome verse 12. How do we do it? Through the whole armor of God that we may be able to withstand or overcome in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Verse 18 Praying always, praying once a year, praying every six months, praying when granny goes to heaven, praying when papa is sitting there and he's sick. Now all those times we need to pray, but he said praying what? Always, always. We can have a spirit of prayer about us all the time. That doesn't mean that we got to be kneeling down 24 hours a day or praying around people that wouldn't know what we were doing. You know, while you're out shopping ladies, 
going through the mall. Oh, Pastor Aaron said, I didn't have to give no encouragement to that area. <laughs> you can be praying. You can be praying as you walk, just having a prayer attitude. You know what I mean? You don't have to go around, you know, up and down, just acting crazy and acting a nut. But at the same time, you can have a spirit of prayer on you. He said, praying always. All of this he's been talking about, verse 10, all the way down through here. He comes to what? Praying always. So we see prayer is important and it's proper. We need to be properly equipped in prayer. And that's what he's talking about. But that's not my subject. So I'm not going to go into all the equipping and prerequisites to prayer. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Notice he said praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. In the spirit. Well, that's what I want to capitalize on, the in the spirit part. Now, the spirit and the word of God agree. So we're not violating the word. We're not belittling the word of God. We need the word of God. Amen. And like I said, and I encourage you to get uh, uh, Reverend Jermaine Copeland's materials, and it will help you tremendously in this area, because if you're not praying in line with the word, it's not going to work for you. But the spirit of God can lead us, guide us, and direct us. He said, praying always with all prayer, which means all manner, all kinds, and all types of prayer. There's more than one type of prayer in the Bible. In fact, there are many kinds of prayer in the Bible. In fact, I went not long ago, I'd done an extended meeting, and I taught on every type of prayer in the Bible and the rules that govern those type prayers. If you don't understand the rules that govern the different types of prayers, then your prayers will probably not be answered because it's just like this. Just like in the sports arena, you have what you call football and you have what you call basketball. Well, you've never seen anybody in a gymnasium to play basketball. And then when the players come out to play, they come running out of the locker room in football pads, football helmets, cleats on their shoes, uh, you know, trying to dribble a football across there and set a tee down at the end of the basketball court. And then somebody try to kick it down to the other end and kick it in the goal where you would put a basketball. Now, if you were at a basketball game and you saw the the players come out in football attire all ready to go in the pats and pads and the helmets and the football in their hand you would sing this song over them they're coming to take them away ha ha they're coming to take them away why because to the funny farm that's where they're going because you cannot play basketball with football equipment or football rules well the same way when it comes to football when you go out on the football field you know at the stadium or wherever I guess it would be Georgia Tech I see Pastor Harris here or the Bulldogs go dogs but anyway <laughs> rivalry here but anyway You've never been to the stadium there and then seen them get ready to play football and all of a sudden here they come, the players bouncing out there and they got on, you know, shorts and tank top shirts and, and they're dribbling a basketball on the football field and they go down there and try to shoot it between the goalposts. If you were at that game, you would sing this song over them. And this is a song you would sing. They're coming to take them away. Ha ha. They're coming to take them away. Where? To the funny farm. Why? Because they're out there trying to play a sport with basketball rules on a football field and I got news for you it does not work well it come, works the same way in the realm of the spirit when it comes to spiritual things somehow we go into la la land and we want to get kooky and we want to get crazy and think that we can just do any old wild thing and get the word of God to work for us no we've got to pray in line with the principles of God's word and then and only then do they work for you isn't that right so I taught on every single type prayer, covered it in depth, took every scripture about it. I mean, I went and I even dug up the stump on prayer. I'm talking about it. Just dug it up and looked at the roots of it. Why? Because if you don't know how to pray, the different kinds of prayer. For instance, there's a prayer of commitment in the Bible. Jesus prayed this prayer of commitment in the Garden of Gethsemane. In that prayer, he prayed, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup of going to the cross, dying for the sins of the human race, pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Well, in that particular case, it is scriptural to pray 
if it be thy will. If there's another way, it's called the prayer of dedication. It's prayed the prayer of commitment, one and the same. The prayer of dedication, the prayer of commitment. And it's thoroughly scriptural to pray and use the words, if it be thy will, in that situation. But if you tried to pray the prayer of faith, which is found in Mark eleven twenty four, which Reverend Jermaine Copeland was mentioning to us last night, uh, that prayer of faith, if you try to interject and pray the prayer of faith and say, if it be thy will, then it won't work for you. Because faith can only begin where the will of God is known. So if you just get some good books on prayer, you can get my series on prayer, get Pastor Harris's, Reverend Jermaine, somebody's uh, stuff on prayer, learn the different guidelines uh, that follow that uh, particular prayer and you're gonna get results every single time without fail. Isn't that right? But he said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. And I want to talk about how the spirit of God again leads you in prayer. Let's turn to St. John chapter 16. Let's read another scripture. Of course, I'm not going to be able to finish what I'm saying. And that's why we're having different sessions. And so you're going to have to come back and don't make me come hunting you. Don't make me come hunting you. Now it's going to get ugly if it is. So how can you find me? Well, I've leaped tall buildings with single bounds, outrun speeding bullets. I can find you somehow. The Holy Ghost will lead us and he'll guide us, amen. But uh, in in St. John chapter 16, the words of Jesus Christ, we can listen to him and he can teach us something about the Holy Spirit because we're talking about, you know, being led by the Spirit in prayer. First, we've got to understand that the Holy Spirit is inside of us if we've been born again. If you've been born again, the Comforter, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and he is there to help you and assist you in every arena and area of life and especially in the area of prayer. When you don't know how to pray, you don't know what to pray. I mean, you know you need to pray, but how do I pray? You know, you know, like, where is my son? We'll talk about that in just a moment. Where is my son? Where's my daughter? What's going on here? Do you want me to go to Africa? Do you want me to be here? Do you want me to go to Romania? Where was that you went to, Mr. Copeland? Morocco. Yes, everybody wants to go to Morocco. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife, we just recently come back from a meeting in Hawaii and my wife believes that we are led by God to live there for the rest of our life in Maui, Hawaii. I said, I'm going to work. She said, you can work if you want to. <laughs> oh, it is a beautiful place, but you're on a little island. And of course, they may be listening over there. And so we welcome them. They're five hours, six hours back though. So they may be still in bed. So we'll have to get them up. Amen. Get up, you lazy things. <laughs> Got a lot of good friends over in that area. So she believes we're called there. So if you, you know, I don't know, if, am I called to Hawaii? Am I called to go to Morocco? Am I called to go to Africa? Am I called to be an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher? Am I called to be a Sunday school? Am I called? Am I called? Am I called? Well, the Bible talks about how you can find out an answer and a solution to any question you've got in your life. I don't care what it is. Whatever you need to know today, God has the answer. It may not be exactly written in His Word, but the Holy Spirit that lives in your spirit knows how to communicate with the Father and then communicate that to you and give you an answer to your question or a solution to your problem. Now anything the Holy Spirit again says will be in line with the Word of God. And if it does not line up with the word of God, I can tell you what it is. It's a bunch of bunk, junk, and hogwash. It's got to line up with the Bible and be in line with the Bible. Jesus said this in St. John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient, which means good, necessary, and advantageous for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. He's telling his disciples right before he goes to the cross that I'm going away. They're saddened. They're discouraged. They're despondent. They're getting depressed. What are we going to do without Jesus? What are we going to do without Jesus? Of course, everybody wants to be around Jesus. But Jesus said, it's good. It's advantageous. It's necessary. It's going to be expedient for you. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come. But if I depart, if I leave here, then I will send him to you. The comforter is the Holy Spirit. The comforter is also the spirit of truth. 
All of them one and the same. There's not four or five different spirits or 17 different spirits. It's one Holy Spirit. He comes to dwell in you. When you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you become what Jesus said in St. John 3, you must be born again. So you become born again. So the comforter is one that's called alongside of you to help you, to aid you, to equip you. He's going to help you in every area of life. And so he has helped me many times. In verse number 12, we'll just skip down through there for the sake of time. Look what Jesus goes on to say in St. John 16, verse 12. He said, I have yet many things to say unto you. He said, but you cannot bear, comprehend, understand them now. Jesus did not reveal everything to his disciples at that time, even though it was in the word of God. Not things outside of the word, but they couldn't understand the written word. Remember, after Jesus was crucified, they went and hid because the scriptures wasn't totally revealed to them. They didn't realize totally that he was going to raise from the dead. Remember when Mary came and ran breathlessly and told them, he's not there, he's risen, I saw him, he's there. And there, they're still afraid in the room because they didn't understand the written word of God. It had not yet been revealed. Revealed. It was written in the Bible, all these things were going to occur, but they didn't understand it. And so Jesus said, I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them, which means comprehend them, understand them now. But he's still speaking today. But anything he speaks will be in line with his word. It won't be violating his word, it'll be in his word. He'll reveal the written word of God to you. The Holy Spirit is here to, here to reveal the written word of God to me and make it real to me. Verse 13, Jesus said, he said, I got many things to say. How be it, verse 13, when he, the spirit of truth, now the spirit of truth is the comforter. Same thing as the comforter. Same thing as the Holy Spirit. Same thing as the Holy Ghost. Whatever you want to call him is still one and the same. It's not 14 different spirits or four different spirits or whatever. It's one spirit. He said, how be it when he, the spirit of truth is come, what's he going to do? He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself. He said, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. You know what that, he will show you things to come? That means he will reveal to you future events. I said he'll reveal to you future events. He'll reveal to you future events. Remember, I don't know what to do in this situation. I don't know what to do in that situation. I, I wish I knew about this. I wish I knew about that. It's not expressly just written out. Randy, you need to do so and so about this situation in your life in the Bible. But the spirit of truth knows what that is. And he knows the choice I need to make. He knows the decision I need to make. And if I'll trust him, he'll lead me. He'll guide me if I'll spend time in prayer. So the spirit of truth, what will he going to do? He's going he's to guide me into all truth. He's not going to lead me astray. And then he's going to show me things to come. He's going to reveal to me future events. One more scripture. All these are just introduction scriptures. How about that? I knew you'd want this. <laughs> but Romans chapter 8. Let's read one more scripture. And then I'll start giving some comment about how all this works. And certainly, I don't know at all. I'm learning. If you come this morning looking for the man or the lady that knows it all, I've got them right here on the front row, Pastors David and Robin Harris. But, but I don't know it all. I, I've made many mistakes, and, and, and I'm not going to, you know, don't want to put that on my resume too much, you know. But, I, but I've made mistakes, and, and that's the reason that the, a lot of my messages, you know, I preach it because I don't want others to make the same mistakes that I've made. I don't know it all. I'm growing and developing. I've come a long ways, uh, but I can see that i got a long ways to go. And I forget those things that are behind, and I press towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I was an absolute failure at one time in my life, but God has turned and is turning my life into a success because we're following him. But in Romans 8, 26, the apostle Paul by the Holy Ghost says this, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, 
But the Spirit, it says itself, in the King James 1611 edition, it should be himself because he is a personality. He is a spirit that lives inside of us. He's not just a blob. The Spirit himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. There was a, a, a minister one time that said that he was preaching and teaching along this verse and a lady came up afterwards. Of course, it could have been a man, so we're not against the ladies. Miss Copeland, we don't want to get no war going on here. And I would tell my story about the men and the ladies, but I ain't got time right now. But anyway, <laughs> I'll tell you, in the beginning, the men were perfect. Don't make me come back there. I'm telling you, in the beginning, in Genesis, in the book of Genesis, God created Adam. Yes, he created male and female, Adam, male and female, out of the human race. And in the beginning, man was perfect. The male species was perfect. He was God's original creation. Then he knocked Adam out because Adam needed some help. He knocked him out one way or the other. I don't know if it's right hook, left hook. It was a man thing. You know, wow. Knocked Adam out, put him to sleep and said, I'm going to give you a helpmate that's going to meet your needs. And out of Adam, he pulled, whoa, man. Whoa, man. Woman, they call it. Whoa, man. To help you and be a helpmate to you. And I'm here to tell you, in the beginning, man was perfect. And when God took woe man out of mankind, the male species, then we lost, the male species lost our perfection. And so all I can tell you, ladies, is if we was perfect, you wouldn't be here. <laughs> so that's why we need one another. Amen. We are different. You know, they say men operates out of one side of the brain. Women's, you know, the other side, the women operate out of the other side of the brain. And the women said about the men, they ain't got no brain. You know what I mean? That's just the way it works. But I'm here to assure you, we got a brain. It just don't work the same way. I mean, we're all, all wired a little differently and we learn to get along and we're still learning to communicate. Is that right? Miss Copeland taught me that last night. I mean, we're learning to communicate. Man's method of communication is, huh? Mm. Uh. And women learn to interpret that over the years. Uh. Mm. Mm. That is, mm, mm. I mean, when we was eating, he wanted another glass of tea. Mm, mm. You know? <laughs> uh, I come up in the country, you know, in the woods. You have to forgive me, but, you know, men grunt and women talk. You know what I mean? And, and it just, I don't know how it works, but we're working on all this stuff. And, and one day we'll come back in perfection, so don't give up on one another. Likewise, the Spirit helps our infirmities, which means to produce results in prayer. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought to. Now, we know we need to pray, but we don't know how to pray. But anyway, I was going to tell you about a story about a lady that came and asked this minister and said, you know, I see here it says the Spirit himself maketh intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. I'm glad to know that I don't have to pray no more, that the Spirit of God is going to do my praying for me. No, that's not what this verse is telling you. Remember, the comforter, he's one called alongside to help you. He's not going to do your praying for you. He's going to help you pray, but you still got to be the one that does the praying, and he will aid you in your prayer and reveal to you about what you should pray and what you should say in that particular given situation. Isn't that right? So likewise, the Spirit helpeth our infirmities, which means our inabilities to produce results in prayer. If it's not written in the written Word of God, then we don't know how to pray specifically about that situation. If it's written in the Word of God, then you don't have to have nobody tell you. It's there in the Bible. Pray what the Bible says, and you will not fail, and your prayers will work every single time. Isn't that right? But there's some things, like I said, that you don't know because it's just not written in the Bible. Like, Randy, go to Africa. Randy, go here. Randy, do this. Or, or I need a solution to this problem. You know. But the Holy Spirit knows the solution to every problem. So he's not going to do our praying for us. We do the praying. He gives us utterance. He gives us a word to say in the Spirit. So that means to pray this particular prayer, we need to get in the Spirit. You know, you can be more in the Spirit or less in the Spirit. And a lot of times, you just start off in the natural. You start off in your understanding. You start off in the written Word of God. You start out on what you know, and you get acquainted with the Father. You build a relationship with the Father, with the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. And as you're praying, suddenly a light of revelation will come to your spirit. And you'll say, I need to say that. I need to speak that out. I need to pray that. And God is revealing to you some things that you're praying about and ways to pray about them by His Spirit and it's not just expressly written in the Bible. 
Verse 27 says, He that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. All things work together for our good if we'll cooperate with the Spirit of God in prayer. So let me give you some illustrations because I'll give you some chapters and verses. Let me give some illustrations about this. One of the earliest times that I began to know about this, my mama was a good Pentecostal lady. In fact, she is still alive today on the planet. Daddy's in heaven. My daddy went to heaven. He told us exactly when he was going to heaven and why. He didn't go to heaven because of sickness and disease or nothing like that. He said that my time on earth is over. He's old time Pentecostal preacher. He had a sixth grade education and my God, he could preach when he was anointed. <laughs> Rest of the time... Jesus help us, you know what I mean? He'd get up and read a scripture and chapter. Ain't no telling what he's going to say. It didn't meet, but all of a sudden, he would be standing up in front of this old tent. We had an old tent we traveled with, you know, and he'd get to shaking, you know, back and forth. He'd jerk a little bit. The old time Pentecost knew about the jerking, you know. I don't know if that's a new dance they got today called the jerk, but the Pentecostals used to do the jerk years ago. And in fact, a lot of Pentecostals still are jerking today, amen. And I've had the jerks on me a little bit. When the Spirit of God was on me, didn't totally understand it. And Daddy was standing there, he'd get to jerking sideways. And that's all fine. And I'm sitting there watching him as a little boy. But if he ever got to go in his head backwards and forwards like this, you know what I mean? I knew something was going to happen. And the Holy Ghost would come in that tent and and he would fall down in that old hay, usually be old hay on the floor, and he'd roll around in that stuff. I mean, my mother said that they wouldn't ounce of pride in my daddy because he didn't care how he looked, what you thought about him or nothing. He'd become a holy roller under that old tent, roll around if it was muddy or whatever, and when he got up, he looked like a scarecrow with all that hay sticking off everywhere. But he would begin to speak as a man from another world. And as a little boy, I can just count the days that I would sit there and weep because I knew that that was not my daddy. My daddy had been changed by the spirit of the living God. And he had taken a sixth grade education man and gave him a man look like he had graduated from Yale or Harvard or anywhere else. Spoke as the very oracles of God. Ladies and gentlemen, when people depended on the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost made them into something. Brother Seymour, his wife, Mrs. Seymour, before he married her, and down there at uh, Bonnie Bray Street, uh, they were praying when the Holy Ghost fell. None of them were baptized in the Holy Ghost. And suddenly the Holy Ghost fell on them. And they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance and eventually turned to the Azusa Street Revival. But it started on Bonnie Bray Street. Remember? And suddenly she got up with no musical abilities whatsoever. Not, not able to sing or play any musical instrument. She got up under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Walked up to the piano. And she began to play beautifully and sing like an angel. And that stayed with her the rest of her life on this planet. But it was given to her supernaturally. Oh, I can tell you story after story in old time Pentecost of where I saw these things happen because people prayed, people sought God and we needed help. If we needed a piano player, we prayed one in. If we needed a music leader, and back then to be a music leader, it's different today, you got to praise and worship leaders, you know. But back then it was music directors. And I was one. How did you become one? You had to be able to bend your knees, stand still in one spot, uh, and do the rhythm thing. You know, do this bounce and do your hand like that. You had to know 120, victory in Jesus, uh, 390, power in the blood, and 212, keep on the fire and line. My God, if you knew them, my God, you was a song director. Hallelujah. But we would pray them in, pray them up. People sought God. People went after God with everything that was within them. They had nowhere else to go. They had nowhere else to trust in. They had no money. Most of them had no education. All they knew was God. And you'll say, that's a place that you ought to be? Absolutely. All we need is God. And God will help the church in this day if we'll learn to pray. Just go after God and say, I don't know all these uh, lotions and potions and, and I don't know all of this uh, particular revelation and I don't know all of what Miss Copeland knows uh, and everything in her book. Well, guess how Miss Copeland found it out? She just got after it. <laughs> it was her son and husband. <laughs> Where all them books 
forgive me, but anyway, they kept her on her knees, my God. They kept her on her knees. Oh, my God. Well, if God could bring Miss Copeland through and bring that family through, what could he do for you? If you'll go after God like Miss Copeland went after God, if you've got wayward children, if you've got problems, if you've got wayward husbands, wayward wives, get on your knees, quit fussing and fighting, start praying, quit fighting, <laughs> quit fussing and fighting, start praying. You'll find out probably in prayer, God will change you. That's what happened to me. How'd Joe get me on that anyway? But God's a good God. Amen. I remember seeing mama cry because she had nowhere else to go. I remember seeing daddy weeping because he had nowhere else to go. Thank God, I need your help. Father, I don't know what to do. Father, I don't have any money. Father, I don't know which way to go. And daddy called it getting hold to the horns of the altar and not letting go until he heard from heaven. And I've been there many a time in that old tile floor in our kitchen. I can see it now. Daddy would get all us little kids and kneel us down on that tile floor. You know, you know what I mean by tile is that vinyl stuff, you know. When that highfalutin stuff like you got in your house now. <laughs> you stick it up. If it started coming up, you just put a little glue under it and stuck it back down. <laughs> We as country folks didn't have nothing. But daddy would stay down on the old floor and he'd pray. He'd just pray until he prayed all he knew how to pray in English. And he'd step out in the spirit. And mama and him used to call it because it's kind of, you know, we didn't know any better. Us kids, we'd get scared, a little scared. Scared? Scared's that good country talk. Scared's good country talk for city folks. And daddy would just kneel down there and he'd be lost in the spirit. He'd clasp his hands under his chin and he'd begin to go from side to side and then he'd sing about the blood. There's power, power, wonder working power. Couldn't sing a lick, but don't tell him that. I mean, now he can sing, he's in heaven. But I was going to tell you, my daddy went to heaven singing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Not a sick bone in his body. He told us the exact time he was going. He said, my time on earth is over. I said, Daddy, stay around here with us. He said, son, I can't. The Lord's got something else for me to do. If you had about two hours, I could tell you about those things over there. There's more to serving God than just this life only. You're not going to be, when you go to heaven, you're not going to be a naked baby like you've seen on Granny's fireplace with angel wings on your back playing a harp. <laughs> There's more to do over there. Our website might help you about that, rgm.me. But Daddy went over there. But Daddy would pray. He'd get lost, what they call lost in the spirit. Not in a goofy way. But he'd begin to pray and he'd speak so intelligent. Because my daddy was uneducated, you know. He'd speak so intelligent. And he'd be talking to God just like God was sitting there in the chair beside him because he'd be kneeling down beside it like God was sitting in that chair. And he'd say, Father, is that right? And I didn't hear God speak to him. But it's like my daddy had such a relationship with the Lord. It was the Lord would speak to him. And I'm not talking about audible voices. I didn't see anything. An angel didn't fly by. Jesus didn't appear. But you can know the Lord. You've become so acquainted with the Lord. The Holy Spirit I'm talking about that lives inside of you, he'll communicate to you. Reveal to your things. And I begin to see these things. I remember one time talking about, you know, following the Holy Ghost, being led by the Spirit in prayer. My little brother and my uh, cousin got in some trouble. I know your kids have never got any trouble. They were supposed to be going camping, and, and through the camping event, you know, it turned in that they got rambunctious and they got hungry, and there were some rivers, cabins, you know, on the backwaters of the Chattahoochee River. You know, down in Columbus, Georgia, areas where I grew up. I'm now in Broken Air, Oklahoma. But uh, they uh, went out there and they broke inside of one of these cabins, you know, and got them some beanie weenies and whatever else, you know, was in there. You know, that's, that stuff will put you over in a hard time, I guarantee you. Oh, uh, you can get some crackers and cheese, hoop cheese. Oh, hoop cheese. 
and get some of that good bologna. I mean, that kind you just slice off the piece. You know what I mean? See, what's it made out of? It's made out of the snort, the squeak, the tail, and everything else, but it'll put you over in the hard times. I mean, nowadays they say all that stuff kill you, but daddy didn't know all that back then. I think some things you didn't know didn't hurt you, you know, but what you did, you know, well, I don't want to go too far with that. But anyway, they used to eat anything that didn't eat them. Do you know what I mean? And, and I guess they prayed a lot, so that's what kept them alive, but, but they got in trouble. They got in trouble, and uh, the police got involved, and of course, uh, they called the house, you know, because they found uh, the car and it was on the side of the road because they traced it back and they got in touch and found out, of course, uh, you know, it's my cousin. My brother didn't have driver's license yet, my cousin's car. And so here they are. And he's wondering, what in the world are, are we going to do? And so they called for my mother and my aunt, which is my, my mother's sister, to come up to the backwaters on the Chattahoochee River because they found the car and they didn't know if uh, my, uh, my brother was drowned. They didn't know if what happened because it was real close to the river. They didn't know what had happened. Of course, when they found out their age, they were overly concerned. And they found several cabins that had been pilfered, you know, and they went inside, you know, and done things and mostly got food and stuff like that, in which they know better. I mean, and, and if they didn't die out there, daddy would kill them when they got back. So, if, you know, either way would have been results, you know, of, of the same. But mama went up there on the backwaters. Talking about how the Spirit of God, see, and she didn't know where my brother Keith was at. And it wasn't a scripture in the Bible. She could pray and say, you know, about Keith. You know, it could say, Lord, show me and guide me and lead me. But it didn't exactly tell her where Keith was at. So they got up on the backwaters and the police are everywhere. They got police, back then what they had to call the Willy Birds, you know, the bubble helicopters, y'all remember them, you know. And then they had the hound dogs out and they're looking, but their main concern is because they're so young, they fell in the Chattahoochee River and it's real swift, it's below Goat Rock Dam and the water's real swift in that area. And they thought they might have fell in a river and drowned it, fooling around with a boat or something because they found a couple of boats that had gone, found out later they didn't have to do with it. The owners had moved the boats, you know, but they didn't know. And so when they're standing up there and the police are there and they're wringing their hands, you know, my mother, you know, and my aunt, you know, they're what you call world champion warriors, you know what I mean? Miss Jermaine, Jermaine Copeland told us last night she learned how to quit worrying, so I'm going to hold her to it. I'm going to hold her to it and just say, I'm going to agree with her. I'm going to stand in there with her because all of us had a tendency to do that. Man and woman, you know, we want to think about, well, what am I going to do and how are they going to do it? How they, and you get to worrying about it. Next thing you know, it just gets so big, you can't do nothing about it. So Mama and, and Aunt Loretta was walking around there on the riverbank, oh, disconcerned, squalling about their babies. And the police are telling them, we don't know, we don't know. And then finally, when all else fails, Mama said, I'm going to pray. God knows where my baby is. He knows whether he's dead or alive. I don't think my baby's dead because they kept giving her bad reports. I mean, this thing went on for a long time. Bad reports. She said, Loretta, she said, I'm going to get in the back of that car. She was, I think it was a 61 or 63 Mercury Comet. Oh, you never heard of a comet? I, I think everybody in here I see, maybe except one, might not know what a comet is. <laughs> Mercury Comets. But they don't make them no more. She got in the back. It was a four-door. And she, she pushed the seat forward in the front. And she knelt down in the back seat. The old-timers had to kneel down. Miss Copeland taught us about that. So Mama had to kneel down. Now we found out you can pray anywhere, you know. But Mama knelt down in that back seat. And she went after God like a hound dog after a rabbit. And this is what she told me later about how she prayed. She said, Lord, I don't know where my baby is. But you do. In the Bible, Lord, you located different things for different people at times. You found those things. I see that, Father. And I know that you're concerned about me. You said even the hairs of my son's head are numbered and a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without you knowing it. So you know where my son is at. God, I want to know where my son is at. And she prayed all she knew how to pray, which said took her about three minutes or less because she didn't know much. And then she just transitioned over. The Spirit of God just came over and she began to speak and pray in the spirit in other tongues. And she would pray that way, she said, for about 15 to 20 minutes. He said, she just got over the spirit. The glory of God came on her. She began to weep and cry, not because of sadness now, but because God had showed up in the backseat of a Mercury Comet. Listen, if God will show up in the backseat of a Mercury Comet, uh, forgive me, he left your kitchen, Miss 
Copeland for a while. You know, God lives in Miss Copeland's kitchen. We found that out. I told the pastor last night, I wondered where he lived at. But it, <laughs> he lives in Mr. Drange Copeland's kitchen, which she told us because he always talks to her in there. Well, anyway, God left her kitchen for a while and went to the back seat of that Mercury Comet. And if you want God to come to your kitchen, he will leave her kitchen for a while and come visit you. I mean, she keeps a corner on the market with him. You know what I mean? Because uh, she needs a lot of help and lately she needs a lot more help. But anyway, God will show up where you're at, wherever you're at. If you'll get serious about it. Mama was praying in the back seat of the Mercury Comet in about 20 minutes. Just in her spirit. She said it was almost audible to her because she was so far in the spirit. It was almost, she heard these words and just in her heart, get up and go home. And she argued with that. Get up and go home. My babies may be dead out in the trail. I ain't going to, I ain't going to. Get up and go home. The police are out there in the woods with the dogs. This is, the terrain is so rough. They probably fell off that mountain over there and they're dead and they didn't And you want me to go home? He said, I said, get up and go home. Okay, okay. She got out of the back seat of the Mercury Comet, closed the door, went to Aunt Loretta, whose car it was, so Loretta, take me home. I ain't going home. I tell you right now, I ain't going home. I, my baby may be dead out there. You're crazy. I ain't going home. She said, Loretta, you take me home. She said, why? She said, because I was praying in that back seat and God's, oh, another one of them things. Oh, another one of them things. Oh, another one. My Aunt Loretta, you know, she just didn't, Believe all this stuff. You know what I mean? Later on, she come to know some of it, but uh, you one of them kind. I, she said, Loretta, I'm telling you, take me home. She said, my baby ain't on this river. She said, my baby's not in these mountains. My baby's not dead out here in these woods. She said, how do you know? She said, because God had told me. She said, what about my baby? She said, if your baby had been out there, God had told me. So you get up and you take me home. If you don't take me, I'm gonna start walking right now. She's serious. And my mother, Frances Greer, is older than Loretta. And so she had to do what she said, you know. So they got in this Mercury Comet and they drove back down to Columbus, Georgia from up the Chattahoochee River area, you know, in the backwaters. Drove back down there, which took 45 minutes to an hour. And all the time, I'm on the search too because mama, I know my mama, she just wore out. You know, and my brother never done things like this. It was him and my cousin got involved with some more guys than supposed to, you know. Oh, you know how all that stuff happens. And, and of course, they're just as guilty as anybody else. We're not trying to take up for them. But all the time that this is going on and mama's praying up there on the river, I'm on the search and hunt for anything I know. You know, because I'm part of the clan too. And I'm not fully sanctified at that time. You know what I mean? And I got a car and I'm riding up down the road, you know, and I, I'm looking, all of a sudden I seen out through the woods and I seen somebody kind of trotting, you know, because it was a wooded area there, not far from my mama's house. And I recognized who it was. It was my brother. My brother and them had done caught a ride from up there back down there in, in the, the woods, you know. They're hiding, they're scared to go home because they scared daddy and mama both would kill them and then raise them from the dead. You know, that, that's the way it used to happen. You'd just kill them and then raise them from the dead. That's what it was. I mean, they just believed in beating the devil absolutely out of you because they loved you. And, and mama would say, this hurts me more than it hurts you. And, and I knew then when I was a kid that mama was lying to me. I knew she was lying. It was hurting me a whole lot worse than it hurt her until I had my own son. Oh, no real parent that loves their children wants to correct them and certainly wouldn't abuse them. But they know the best thing for them is to apply the Board of Education to the seat of learning because that's what the Bible teaches, not abusing. And in way, Daddy would work with me I would be just the dumbest thing you'd ever seen. But when daddy got through with me, you know, I'd, I'd, he'd, I'd tell him, I can't, I can't, I can't. But when daddy got through with me, I could. I could. I guarantee you, I could do all things through daddy who had whooped my rear end. I guarantee <laughs> And he pointed me towards Jesus. Now, Jesus will help you, son, but daddy's going to point you to Jesus and show you what it looks like. But it does help you out. There's something about, I'm not talking about child abuse. We love our children. But that's the reason we have what we're going on in our nation today. And I'm not belittling anybody, but not go too far out there. But God's a good God. A wonderful God. 
So I saw my brother run through the woods, saw my cousin. So I knew where they were going because they're trying to hide. So I cut down this side road, you know, in my car. I had a, 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 a six, 72 Chevy 2 Nova. <laughs> Woo! You got to know these cars. And I got out of that thing and hid behind the bushes. And when my brother come jogging down through there, I'd done a flying tackle on him. I was bigger <laughs> than he was. And I grabbed him up. But mama was praying on the river. Mama was praying on the river or I'd have never seen my brother. She prayed us together. She prayed that my path and his path would cross. She might not have said them words, but the Holy Spirit was showing her what to pray and giving her utterance and she was praying out something supernatural because I could have easily missed him. Only got a glimpse of why mama's praying. So mama had just got home and I had apprehended my brother and I said, you get in the car. I ain't getting in that car. I said, if I had to knock you out and put you in that car, you go into the house. I said, you worried mother to death. And I said, if daddy gets a hold to you before mama does, you're going to be dead anyway. <laughs> then daddy will raise you from the dead. Do you know what I mean? Because he didn't believe in that. But I got him <clears throat> and I, I apprehended my cousin because my brother knew where he was at just a little further down the road. And I got him too and put him in the back seat. And I drove down to, to the house, pulled in the backyard, went in the back door, and there is my mama. She's down on her knees praying because the Lord told her to go home. Didn't tell her to stop praying. She's down on her knees praying. When she looked up when the door opened and seen my brother, she lipped up off that floor and hugged his neck. Oh, I love you. I love you. I was so concerned about you. Oh, my God, I thought you was dead, but God told me to tell, tell me to come home. I think I'm going to kill you. <laughs> But I told you that to tell you this. Mama knew that God knew where her baby was at. That's right. That's right. That's right. The Spirit of God can help you pray about things. I don't care what it is. That's just one example. And I could give you many, many more. But that's just one example. Let's take about five minutes here and just spend some time praying. You can sit. You can kneel. You can walk. Whatever you want to do. But let's just spend a few moments praying as we close this particular session before we start the next one. Father... In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we do thank you for the great and mighty Holy Spirit whom you sent to indwell each and every one of us. Thank you for encouraging us during this time and revealing to us during this time what your word says. Now, Father, we don't know everything. We don't understand everything. But we do know that the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth. And Father, you know right now, in the name of Jesus, the condition that our country's in. You know the riots and the protests that are going on in our nation. Lord, you know everything that is going on in the political arena. And Father, I don't have a solution naturally for that. Man does not have a solution naturally for that. But Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for your anointing. And Lord, we realize that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, Lord, and, and, and things that are in the spirit realm. Father, we've got political party against political party and this one against that one and, and this one against that one and the governmental authorities of our land. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we know it's not flesh and blood. We know they don't need to be dealing with each other. So we just take authority over every evil spirit in the name of Jesus that has attacked the presidential office, that has attacked the Congress of the United States of America that has attacked the Senate of the United States of America and we command you to take your hands off of them, loose them and let them go in the name of Jesus Christ. And Father, I know that there's many well-meaning people that are in protest situations right now on Wall Street and I think even right here in the city of Atlanta. Father, there are people that are protesting things. They don't understand what they're doing. And Father, I'm not saying that things don't need to be changed, but Lord, we're 
we're not going to change it through flesh and blood means. And Lord, we're asking you to intervene in this nation. Lord, we're asking you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to pour out your spirit upon the presidential office of the United States of America. Lord, to pour out your spirit upon the Congress, the Senate, and House of Representatives of the United States of America. And Father, not only do we pray for our nation, Lord, we pray for our state governors and state governments and leadership and city and county and public officials. And we pray that the spirit of the living God would guide them, would direct them, would lead them in every single area so that you would be glorified through it all. Father, we thank you for the great and mighty Holy Ghost uh, that is able to work out these situations in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, we thank you, Lord, that there's a turnaround taking place in the body of Christ. Uh, Father, I know in the name of Jesus there's been much opposition against the church, against the body of Christ, uh, against individual Christians. Uh, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus uh, that the great comforter, the Holy Ghost, will come and comfort the body of Christ in the name of Jesus and cause us to walk in the light of the written word of God. And I pray that Christ will be formed in each and every one of us, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. Father, I pray that you'll give us all the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, that you'll open the eyes of our understanding that we may know you and what is the hope of your calling and what is the riches of the glory of your inheritance and the saints and what's exceeding greatness of your power to usward who believe according to the working of your mighty power which you wrought in Christ when you raised him from the dead and set him at your own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality power might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that world which is to come and Father, I pray for every person here, every person under the sound of my voice, and Lord, throughout the church world, Lord, I pray that you'll grant unto us that we be strengthened with might by your spirit in our inner man, that Christ will continually dwell in our hearts by faith, that we've been rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and height, that we may know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God now unto you Father that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think unto you be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages world without end amen and amen and Father we thank you today that you've heard our prayers. We thank you, Lord, that you've already sent the answers to our prayers. And we thank you, Father God, for all good things that you've done in our life in the past, that you are doing right now, and that you will do in the future. Lord, help us to have the understanding of the ten lepers, that only one returned to give thanks. Father, we thank you, and we are so thankful for everything that you've done for us, everything that you've delivered us from, everything that you prepared for us. And Father, we thank you that even this day that our steps are directed and ordered by you, that our words are ordered and directed by you, and our thoughts are governed by you and by your word. And Father, in advance, we'll be careful to give you the glory, to give you the honor, to give you the praise for all good things. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, I don't know about you, but I preach myself happy. You know, you can be guilty of that sometimes because the Word of God works. I'm going to turn it to Pastor David Harris. Brother Randy, before you sit down, I want us to do one thing. I know we've got some pastors here, and I don't know if yeah, Pastor Robbie's still here. Um, I just believe in Pastor Robin Martin and Pastor Don. Uh, I know something's been on your heart is before the nation can change, the church has to change. And I know, these, I know these men of God are preaching the Word and, and, and moving in the power of the Spirit, but as, as representatives of the church, I want you men to come up, and, uh, and I want us to pray. Uh, if, if that's all right sure. with you, I want yes. us to pray. I believe we should pray. Yes. Uh, you pastors, come on up, and, and I just want us to pray. Everybody, just stand back up, if you would. And I want Brother... Oh, Pastor Henry. I didn't see that, that Pastor Henry's here this morning. Come on up, Brother Henry. Praise God. Yes. And uh, just representing the body of Christ, yes. representing the, the representing church. The Amen. Church. Amen. Yes. Praise yes. the Lord. So just, yes. just lead us yes. uh, as, as, as we stand here.
And I appreciate these men of God being here. Yes. I know how busy pastors yes. are. And so for them to take yes, time out to be you. here and be in yes. this meeting, it, it really it, it, it says a lot about them. And, and, and we appreciate Amen. them being here. So, so would you lead us, Brother? Sure. Let me just make this little statement before we pray. In a recent meeting I was in, the Spirit of God spoke to me, and this is what he said. He said, the problem in the church world today, and I don't say this disparagingly about anybody, I throw myself first for anybody. He said, the saints are living on the prayers of past saints that have went on. And it's time for this generation to pray like the last generation to pray. You know, you can live on somebody else's prayers for a while, but then you have to start praying yourself. So we'll just pray that, that the church will be glorified and edified. Father, in the name of Jesus... Father, these men that stand here are representative of the body of Christ in our nation and the nations of the earth. Father, you revealed to me that the church basically has been living on the prayers of past saints. And it's time for this generation to pray. Father, I pray that there'll be a stirring and awakening that would take place in the hearts of the saints of the church. Father, not just for those in leadership positions such as pastors and and those apostles, prophets, evangelists, and teachers. Father, we pray for all those and those in the ministry of helps. Lord, but we pray for those even in the church world themselves. And I pray that you'll give us a desire and a hunger to study your word, to read your word, and then a hunger and a desire to pray and seek your face. Lord, we take authority over the spirit of fear that has come against the body of Christ. Father, because there has been oppression and fear that has come against the church in a way that's not happened in 70-something years. The enemy has been allowed to come in and try to operate in the church, and it looked like that we was going under. But Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus Christ for a special anointing coming upon the church, coming upon the body of Christ, and I break the powers of darkness that's been trying to hold the church in bondage, and I command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ Christ to loose them and let them go in Jesus' name. And Father, you said, uh, whatever I loose on earth uh, is loosed in heaven. And Father, I loosen the power of the Holy Ghost uh, and the anointing of God uh, to come back to the church in a way like we have not had in many, many years. Uh, Father, I thank you for revelation of the word of God. Lord, I thank you for the illustrations of your word and I thank you for impartations of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Father, you said you're coming back for a glorious church uh, and I thank you, Lord, that today that you're causing us to arrive and walk in the glory that you've called us to. Father, that we'll not be in the mental realm, but we'll move out of the mental and we'll move into the spiritual. Father, we'll not be in the solical realm because there's many in that arena today in the solical realm, but we'll move out of the solical realm into the spirit and Father, we'll minister by the spirit of God wills and leads. And Father, we give you the glory in advance for all of these things to transpire into take place and Father in the end may you receive the credit glory and honor for it all in Jesus name I pray Amen